Welcome back to the MBH Podcast, Money Buys Happiness, Season 5. First off, before we get into it, thank you to all our subscribers. Keep liking, keep subscribing, you know all the bullshit. Yep. Fucking do your thing, please. Do the fucking thing. They need it. We need it. We need it. <laughs> we need it. We need Without it. further ado, one of our most exciting guests to date, and we've done like a fucking hundred episodes, Michael Weckerly. What's going on, man? Hey, good to see you guys. How you doing? Good, good. Yourself? Good, good. It's a pleasure to be here. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a pleasure to have pleasure you. pleasure to have you. It's, uh, like I said, one of our biggest guests to date, uh, one of our most interesting and definitely our richest, which... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> fits perfectly. Lately, we've seen the closures again here yeah, now. Oh, they're coming back. They're coming back. Yeah. But um, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know you, I'm sure they will. But for anyone who doesn't know you, a little intro on yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What are you known for? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Michael Weckerly, uh, probably more famous now for the Dragon's Den than more, more most other things right now. <laughs> but uh, my current occupation right now is I'm still an investor. I run a family office. I'm still sitting on this advisory board and the directorship of Mogo, which is a fintech. Sweet. You know, it really is interesting this way this world has changed as it comes to money and banks and how banking at the digital age, the millennial age, yep. and how people can now, you know, it's really everything's done by app. Yeah. You know, whether it be your credit score, whether it be borrowing, whether it be investing, whether it be crypto, whether it be equities, there's a lot more being done on your personal device than ever before. And mm -hmm. I think that's the future going forward. A um, little bit about me. I started back when I was 18 on the Toronto Stock Exchange floor. Yep. Had a good run there till I was uh, for about 30 odd years, not to date myself. But uh, <laughs> And then decided to move into uh, investment banking and merchant banking. I still do a portion of that today. I'm involved in real estate in Waterloo, across from the University of Waterloo. And right now I'm very excited about the green space and what they call anaerobic digestive which is going to be taking trash and turning it into cash there's mm, a facility we whoa. have at disco road which is just by the airport and it separates the garbage it's a really clean green way of going forward as you know there's been a big issue with landfills a big yeah. issue with how much this city it's a th you know it is the fourth largest city in north and south america yeah I think Mexico City's first, followed by New York, Los Angeles, and then Toronto. Wow. So, okay. you know, yeah, you yeah. have, or Central America and, yeah. and North America. But when you look at that, that is huge. And the growth in Toronto has been enormous, and it's going vertical, not horizontal. And there's a lot of garbage that needs to be dealt with, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, so now they're talking with new and, and better ways to turn um, organic garbage into fuel, which is what this company does. And separate the nasties from the, you know, the recyclable portion. Yeah. And recyclables could include, you know, what's the, what they do with separating eggshells and it turns into a sand. So some really neat uh, innovations on the green space, primarily on the energy side. And I do believe that's the future. So you got your hands in a lot of fucking different Damn. shit, eh? Yeah, the company's called Evergreen. I think it's cool. going to be a really exciting company going forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, how do you pick an investment? How do you, well, I'm sure a lot of them come your way, yeah. right? Yeah, so, I so. see a lot of investments. You know, I've seen a lot, a lot had to do with the fact that I was in this industry for 35 years. Uh, our focus in Canada tends to be more on the energy and the mining side is where the majority of our GDP comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're changing that. Technology has been a big push over the last 20 years. And we're starting to see changes, you know, uh, as far as, you know, with what's going on in the hybrid vehicle, we have some great technology and battery technology. And I still think that, you know, you're going to start to see a lot of resources that people don't really know much about that go in the composition yeah. of batteries like lithium uh, and magnesium that Canada is very rich in. Yeah. So I think we'll see a lot of changes in the way we uh, produce our metals and materials and getting away from the traditional ones. And focusing on where the new age is, which is going to be in hybrid vehicles, electric vehicles, yep. and in battery consumption and, and super storage batteries is what I'm hearing. So you're, so you're kind of, so I guess you're trying to look at what Canada's rich in and what our move is and we, sort of picking no, investments. No, no doubt. Well, we're not a, you know, we're 40, just over 40 million people compared to the U.S. is over 10 times their size. So we don't yeah. have the population mass to really have a consumer market. So True. you really have to look at the vast space that we have on a landmass and then look at what our real dual assets are and it has been historically energy mm -hmm. and metals and materials yeah. but don't forget the biggest area of going forward is going to be agriculture you know agriculture has been a big issue if everyone's seen 
the price at the supermarket, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're talking inflation yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that's going to be worth a lot more money. Yeah, no, no, 100%. I want to chat about uh, El Macambo. Sure. Um, just how it came to life and, and even why it came to life. Why did you decide to buy that venue and, and turn it into something of your own? Well, you know, it, it all started back probably when I was a kid, you know, as I tell people, I was a half-decent musician but never could really get the gig at the El Macambo because <laughs> I wasn't good enough. And, you know, until I bought it, I never played there. <laughs> nice. But I did play there after I bought it. Um, one of the things that I remember as a kid growing up is you know live venues was really the things to see you know it was a few things at the CNE. there was a few things at certain clubs we had numerous clubs that were in the range of let's say 150 to 250 people the elmo would be one of the larger ones that would probably be in the four to five hundred range per per uh placement person per person and you know with the two floors of the Elma combo it hosted a lot of incredible bands back in the day yeah. from the ramones to rolling stones it was the first place that you two ever played in north america was the Elma oh, combo sure. and blondie george thurgood etc there's just a host of people that played there and when i was growing up you know it was the place to go to and when i heard the news that it was going to be replaced with a computer store from my recollection I said I was going to go down and buy the sign. And in doing so, after going down to try to buy the sign, I ended up buying the bill. <laughs> and therefore, I emerged myself in thinking that this would not be a very costly move. But with all the individuals around me that knew a lot more about music than I did, they said, you know, don't just look at today. Don't just look at a club. Look at 20 years down the road or 10 years down the road. And it's about content. So we created a content factory that is two floating floors, isolated and soundproof. So you could have Metallica playing on the top floor and an acoustic band playing downstairs oh, and sure. not have any vibrations because they're sitting on what's like little hockey pucks each floor. So they're floating, but they're dampeners, so not one part of the building will interact with the other part of the building. Wow. So there's kind wow. of a, a building within a building. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And inclusive of that, we built a state-of-the-art um, recording facility, both audio and video, with top equipment, whether it be an SSL 550 board or the digital equipment or the black magic cameras and the editing equipment and robotic and handheld cameras. Um, we'll be uh, doing lots of great shows and working alongside with a lot of great production companies to produce that content. And really, that's where the future is. As we've seen with this pandemic, now to be an endemic, uh, a lot of people are going to look for, how do I get that content? How many times can you watch Netflix and see, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. where is the next movies are coming from? Because there hasn't been a big rollout of new feature films. True. It's Very been true. slowly coming out, you know, until we start to see a change in habits, which we're starting to see now. People are less likely, especially the older they are getting, to go out in public places that are going to have you know, larger crowds. Yep. So people are trying to find ways. How do they replicate that excitement? How do they replicate that excitement of, of having that, you know, built-in value proposition, whether it be doing something that they can have an interactive uh, identification or interactive experience, whether it be in a sporting event, whether it be in a music event, where you have virtual meet and greets or what it's going to be like. Are we going to start seeing... Uh, holograms coming to your backyard yeah, I don't yeah, know true. but you know the fiber optic network is is built to do it and yeah. technology will catch up to it there's a lot of things that we have today that we didn't have 20 years ago it's true so so, so do, do you feel that that might cause um, some disturbance with with the Elmo no no I think it's all you know I, you know when people looked at how music progressed and how Spotify and all the different platforms, Amazon, it's a natural progression yeah. of technology. People adapt the habits. When would you have thought that you'd sit there and would have binge watching over the weekend a movie series? True. You know, that yeah. was probably something you wouldn't do, but now you're doing it with friends. You now can link up with friends and watch it at the same time and interact on second screen technology. Yeah. You could be watching a football game and then playing Madden on the other side, <laughs> yes, you know, yes, so, and true. betting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's all, all legit time. now with yeah. crypto. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know? So it's, it's really quite a change that I yeah. wouldn't have seen before, but now we're starting to see those habits change. Yeah. And as those habits change, they tend to, you know, 
proliferate through all the different generations. So, you know, what you grew up to is different than what I grew up to. And, you know, your children grew up different as well. So, yeah. you know, it's an evolution process to what people find is the acceptable norm. What can they do? I know this last, last two years has been tough on everybody. And people are finding a way to try to, you know, make good through this holiday season. And what's that going to look like? I don't know. Is yeah. going to be a virtual Christmas? I don't know. <laughs> Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to ask even about the Elm Why I've seen how you guys have been marketing it since you've yeah. kind of reopened, um, working with a lot of local artists as well, which I think is super cool. Um, what's made you guys kind of take a local approach to it? Well, the Elm Combo always was really a local breakout okay. environment. Yeah. So, and I mean local by that emerging artist band. And exactly. local would be somewhere within Canada. Uh, we just had a festival for Iceland that had some great artists, both emerging and, and and you know artists that are you know well popularized in Iceland, and it was an incredible event to see other music coming into the Elma Combo that would have that kind of demographic that any of us would sit there and say, "Wow, that's great music." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just in a different country and different language, but yeah. really quite impressive. And there's been a huge amount of Canadian artists that have been very successful. You look at Sean Mendes, you look at Drake or Bieber, or yeah. you know a lot of the performers that you know have come out of Canada have been very top-notch and I think that Canada has been never known as a breeding ground for talent back in the 60s and 70s but as we now move forward in 2000 we've had an incredible penetration of of a great group of artists that have been you know in the top five or top ten which is almost unheard of in my life that I've seen no I think it's really interesting to see how that's changed and I think that emerging artists is really why Live music should exist. You know, you have Agreed. to break uh, bands out. A new band that we focus on right now at the Elmo Combo is Harm and Ease, which is a great band that we watch closely here. Uh, Cut Me Loose is a top single. ringing up there right now in the top 20s, I believe, right now. Wow. And, you know, we're going to see bands like that that, you know, they're the exciting bands to watch. They're the ones that are trying to make it. So they're giving 110%. They're not just doing the same show they've been doing for a while. They're coming out. And every show is a more dynamic new show. It's more improved. And that's really what's great to see live music. Yeah. You see the improvements. How how has the reception been from, from like, uh, you know, attendees? Like... Well, again, you know, it's it's been tough to really measure it. And this time, sure, December was sure. a great month as we started off with, with everyone moving back to the status quo. Uh, we had full capacity crowds. Our October 30th show for Our Lady Peace was, was, a, was a, you know, I guess a grand reopening, October 30th. And uh, it was a great show. It sold out in 68 seconds or something like that. Holy it was, fuck. Like, it was like, boom, it went off for sale and it sold out. Wow. So I think people mm-hmm. will pay a, a greater dollar to see something in person, to see something that's going to be more intimate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, you know, the... 10,000 or 20,000 person stages are not going to be busy depending on the acts but I think that there's a difference now to be that close where you're up to the stage and you're watching something up close of someone that you really wanted to see so I think there's a premium value Uh, Canada has a lot of great venues Toronto specifically with the reopening of history or the opening of history and the reopening of Massey Hall yep um, and the uh, Meridian Centre so there's a lot of interesting places right now to see live music in Toronto uh, and I think that there's a lot of smaller venues that really can, you know, catch my eye to go on the on the town. And you know? I know we're speaking a lot about local artists coming to the Elmo, but do you think there's a market for some big artists to come and play more intimate, like in more oh, intimate yeah. settings? You know, larger artists, you know, sometimes will do an underplay, but a lot of times they'll come and prefer, as we see solo artists that... We had Gordy Johnson of Big Sugar just come and do something that he wasn't doing before in his larger venues. He decided he wanted to do an acoustic act. Cool. Uh, So we're starting to see some different shows come out that artists, you know, want, especially if they're artists that have been around for a while. They've, they've, They've kind of done a run with their existing band. You're starting to see people split off that and do some unique stuff going around and doing some things that would be more project orientated. True. I, I wonder if we can get Drake in there. Drake, if you're watching this, <laughs> go to the well, fucking Elmo, bro. That's right. Give um, him a shout. As I'll a, just I, go out and play, Drake. <laughs> that's it. As an entrepreneur, um, you, you said it as well. Like, There's so many things changing in this world every day. How do you stay educated on everything happening so that you can implement it in your businesses or, or, your, or your life, your personal life? Yeah, well, you know, the one thing about business I think is key is that you have to have a game plan. It's like anything, whether you're playing a sport 
whether you're doing a music series, you have to have a game plan. You have to follow that game plan. You can pivot slightly from that game plan, but you can't deviate 180 degrees all the time, or you're going to find yourself always starting back from the beginning again. So um, my belief is that when you go through uh, a game plan, you have to have a vision. Your vision has to have a thesis. And your thesis has to have a conclusion of how you are going to make money yeah. and what is your goal to make money and what along the way are your validation points? What are your checkpoints that you know you're doing well? Like your podcast here, is it a matter of having you know, subscribers? Is it viewership? Is it going to be advertising? So what are your checkpoints that you have to do to get to that end goal to where you want to go? And, you know, I'd set to tell people, you know, set modest goals and, you know, I'd rather under promise and overachieve. And Very I true. think that's a yeah. good statement to go out to most entrepreneurs because we always have a tendency to shoot for the stars. And yeah, we believe in ourselves and that's great. But disappointment comes when you don't meet your goals. And sometimes your goals are too aggressive if you look back. And at least that's what happened to me. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. too aggressive in my outlook on some of my goals. And when I didn't achieve them, it kind of fell down. And, yeah. you know, when you feel down, you know, that's a natural thing because, you know, mental health is a big part of any successful entrepreneur or any successful sports athlete or musician where you have to be mentally fit because, you know, if you don't have setbacks, you haven't lived life and you have to learn from those setbacks and you have to be able to understand that that it's a learning curve. You know, setbacks are part of life and that's your, your, your university education towards entrepreneurship. <laughs> Speaking well, of yeah, speaking I, of I university, you, that. Yeah, yeah. you uh, dropped out of York. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and went right to the stock exchange. Yeah, you know, it was, really, it was really interesting. You know, <laughs> I, I was at university and in, in my first year, my first half semester, I guess, or first semester of the uh, two semester year, uh, my highest mark was in botany, which is in plants, and I know absolutely <laughs> nothing about that. And my lowest mark was in business. Nice. And computer was kind of middle grade. And I said, wow, I've always been interested in business. I had paper route since I was a kid. I thought I was pretty adept at kind of being an entrepreneur as a young individual trying to do certain things to make money. And when I saw that, I said, well, you know, there must be another path for me to go. And it was just fortunate that I had a friend of mine at university that uh, had a relative that worked on the Toronto Stock Exchange floor and said, hey, they're having an open call for hiring because the exchange was moving from the old exchange on Bay Street to the first name place, and it was about four times the size. Mm. So they needed people just to run orders. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was one of the lucky guys that got picked. And when I saw it down there, I said, this is for me. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, first two years of running... Getting coffee and lunches was a bit of a drag, but you know, eventually it paid off. That's amazing. You got to put in your time. Yeah. What, what, what would you say to entrepreneurs that are maybe questioning going through every, every level of the schooling system um, just because of what they're seeing around them? Maybe some of their mentors, maybe some of their idols that they look up to, or just a friend that hasn't done it and went out there and did something on their own. Well, it really depends on the individual. You know, there's a there's a whole group of individuals that have and have not gone to formal education that are very successful in the crypto world. It's almost something that, you know, even someone that, you know, who would spend a lot of time in in a variety of different businesses, a variety of different banking businesses, still don't have an understanding of the effect and the gravity. You have to really kind of have that kind of open view and very unprejudiced view of what history has given you to learn what is what is it is yeah yeah. and when something new comes around you're very hesitant to adopt it so that's why i think that people that adopted certain businesses whether it be you know look at shopify you know it was kind of a a, you know when, when you when you look back at payment systems moneris has been around there's been lots of payment systems in gas stations etc but as you got technology to increase and the fact that people wanted to move and do a lot more digital purchases and a lot more individual businesses where they didn't want to rely upon, you know, a credit card system that was archaic. Yeah. You know, because if you didn't have your visa system and yeah. write it back yeah. and get paid 30 days later, you want to get paid tomorrow. Yeah. And out of that evolved a numerous group of businesses, including payment systems, payment early systems, 
delay payment systems, and all of them have been very successful, but having that vision early on was really key. So I think that, you know, if I was to look back and give someone advice, I would say stay in school, number one. (laughs) It's very difficult coming out without an education just to get your foot in the door. If you look at any company for a training ground, you always want to be, even if you want to be the best in class or have your own business in certain segments of the industry, I always tell people, try to get into the best company that you can get some training and some background of what to do and what not to do. Sometimes big corporations have a great platform, but don't have the certain micromanagement skills that people can excel in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes out of the biggest companies come these really cool small companies. You know, True. I'm sure a lot of companies came out of Apple and Google, et cetera. Yeah. No, you, you make a good point. And I, I see what you're saying in terms of just like being patient with it. So if that means going to school, whatever, take your time with it. You actually, you actually said, you actually have a quote here that I liked. Uh, it was in one of your interviews. You said, um, make your money slow, but learn quickly. And then a couple of things in between. And then how do you get 32 years of experience? 32 years. That's exactly like right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very difficult, you know, because a lot of times you're always trying to run when you should be walking. And, you know, there's a couple of things that I've been taught and mostly by making mistakes. Um, the first and foremost was that, you know, you always tend to be more optimistic than you should. It's a lot easier to buy things than it is to sell things. You know, think of cars, true. think of everything that you made that impulse buy for or watch. Oh man, I gotta sell all the good stuff. You have to sell when you need the money, yeah. and all the yeah. good stuff doesn't go at the price you think it's worth. Yep, it's true. I paid this much for this. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's yeah. what it goes for. Yeah. So always be cautious on the way in, and if you can look and time your buys properly, it'll make the sales a lot more easier to go on the way out. Yeah, yeah. The other thing when you're running a business, you know, we always have a tendency to hire people. He's the best. Look, this guy is. He did really well over here. He did really well over here. And I have a tendency now to look at people and say that, you know, you hire slowly. And I think that we always have a tendency to hire fast. And we put up with a lot of bullshit. You know, we (laughs) put up with a lot of bullshit and people coming in late. There's an excuse. My dog got lost. This happened, (laughs) you know. And, you know, at some point you just got to say enough is enough. And, And that's where someone told me a statement. They said, you know what? General Electric had a rule. Hire slow and fire fast. <laughs> oh, I like that. And you know, yeah, and it, it really makes sense because no, that's you kind of know. It's like a bad girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah, you yeah. kind of get, get in, and you know right away. You go, this ain't gonna work out. But you don't want to. You, you don't do want to hurt feel. You, you, yeah. you stick it out for a yeah. long time, and it, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, right. It's and the true. girl will say the same thing. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> You're not gonna. I don't yeah. like this dude from the time I met him, or I don't like this girl from the time I met her. Yeah, and after the first date, but. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I got to try harder. Maybe yeah. it's me. Yeah. Maybe it's my clothes. You yeah. know, and, and everyone's trying to augment what they really think. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, like business, just make the move. So so then with that yeah. being Cut said. Cut your losses. Yeah. Cut. Key, key. Cut your fucking losses. If I yeah. cut my losses a long time ago in the stock market, I'd be a lot richer. But Very what, true. Hey, I always have a stop out. Even to this day, I still have a hard time doing it. I go, oh, man. Yeah. I know I'm right. <laughs> I know. I, I can't once, do it. Once you start going to bed and thinking about your stock positions yeah. and oh. you're worried about it, get out. Ask this guy. I fucking, I, sometimes I come in here and he's like, dude, what's wrong? I'm like, bro, my fucking stock. <laughs> I'm down 80%. I'm down 70%. It's a disaster. Um, I yeah, wanna, I one, ask, thing, one thing I can tell you about yeah. that, and for anyone who's invested in the market, you know, the one thing the market is useful for actually is two things. It's to buy and to sell. Yeah. If you've made your bed by investing and you've done your due diligence and looked at why you invest in that company, not you just a buddy told you to buy it. That's <laughs> not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. If you actually someone told you to buy and you didn't do your work, then shame on you. True. If you've done your homework and you've talk to the management or talk to the guys who know the sector or read about it through Google. Google's a wonderful thing to find out research. You can pretty well find out something about anything now when you go online. And then hold your position. It generally will take 24 to 36 months for for an investment to pan out. That's Mm. kind of the way I look at it. And it takes five years to build a business and 10 years to build a brand. So if you would have held stocks that have been very successful, like Amazon, for 10 years, You've done very well. Yeah. yeah. But if you would have taken your profit quickly, which it was, and kept your losers, you tend to do worse. So what people say the ad is saying is that, you know, sell your losers and keep your winners, but sell your losers because 
they they failed on their projections of what they said they were going to do mm. not because the stock went down that's an inevitable if they make mistakes yeah but you know if they say they're going to make x amount of dollars and they don't strike one yeah strike two strike three they're out you know and 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 keep the ones as they say they're doing it and they exceed it keep them and add your them. position i always have a tendency to tell people i like buying stocks higher than i paid the time before yeah and i don't mind selling stocks lower i just have to stay within that 20 percent move mm. sometimes you hold on to that point then it just drops 50 percent or 80 <laughs> percent you know, yeah you know, what am i going to do now i get no money out of it and that, that then yeah, it just true. becomes a lottery ticket yeah that's been me the last few fucking months but <laughs> um, uh, yeah f five that's five. been a tough market the last few months <laughs> Dude, Real true. So it's true. been carnage especially in small cap world i'm getting killed absolutely yeah. killed five years to build a business 10 years to build a brand that's correct man. can Look you can Sorry. you decipher the difference for our oh, audience? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the business is, 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 you know, so for example, when you look at a brand, a brand is like Coca-Cola, El Macombo, and it takes a long time to build a brand. But a business, to be successful, it's a minimum of five years to really get all parts of the business working the way it should be working. You're very lucky if you do it before that. But when you think of companies that it took 10 years to build their brand, what do you think of coffee? What do you think of? Timmy's. <laughs> Starbucks, Timmy's, Starbucks, right? Yeah, of course. But, but you don't say, I'm go I want a Timmy's coffee, I want a Timmy's. Yeah. I want a Starbucks, I don't want a Starbucks coffee. Yeah. You just, it becomes synonymous with that brand. True. Right? Yeah. And yeah. it took that while to get there. Yet to build that business for both companies, it was a five-year struggle of losing money going through challenges of hiring and firing and locations and getting your logistics right. But once they got that methodology right or that perfect coffee flavor right at Timmy's, which I don't know, it's never been recreated. <laughs> yeah. No, never, never. You know, it's I, true. I, when it's I, when true. I really want to have a treat myself, it's a double, double at yeah. Timmy's. It's yeah. all, I know what it's going to taste like. It's like McDonald's. You know that cheeseburger is going to taste exactly the same yes. every time. Yeah. And that's a go-to yeah. when, when you kind of feel it's that true. indulgence. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, going back to the stocks and everything, I want to talk about crypto, NFTs, that whole world that's come up. Have you involved yourself in that world? I have. Cool. I, I wish I was more knowledgeable about it. It's you tough, know, man. I'm trying to learn a lot more about metaverse and crypto and... Uh, there's so many different, uh, you know, coins out there, you know, and I think there's, there, you're, you know, there's two things. One, I think it's going to be a digital community going forward. So I think there's a lot of validity in that whole digital uh, currency basis. However, saying that, there's going to be very few people that survive it. Mm. There's too many coins that are coming out for whatever reason, you know, and, you know, you get some validation with a coin because Elon Musk comes into it. You get some validation <laughs> from another coin because some yeah. movie star decides to buy some, but that's really not the real reason to buy a coin. It has to have a utility yeah. and there has to be a value proposition. It's like a country, yeah. you know, when you know what the GDP is and you know what their debt is, then that's what their currency will be relating to. The one best indication of a country's success is their currency. Yeah. And as a strong currency country, you generally have a good business proposition and a better taxation versus other countries that have very weak currency, which is high inflation and all the negative that goes around with it. And you see that time and time again. Uh, we've seen it in Europe. We've seen it in Africa. We've seen it in a lot of parts of Eastern Europe uh, where you've had ups and downs on currency. I think Turkey right now is going through a real difficult time. They're getting time. killed, yeah. Yeah, yeah so inflation, you're sitting yeah. there. And you know your currency is going in the toilet. Your assets in, in in your currency is going down. So what do you do if you don't have assets abroad or currency deflective instruments like gold or something that would be based or Bitcoin, for example? Yeah. Which is why I think that a lot of that benefit is coming through that business. Historically, I think the digital currency was started as a black market currency. Yeah. But I think it's starting to evolve more as a traditional currency. But I would be very cautious because you know when the automotive sector started in the early 1900s, uh, there was something like 850 auto manufacturers. Now put that in perspective today, that'd be wow. like 8.5 million, yeah. just based on population, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So it'd be like, so if you have that many and it came down to five. Yeah, yeah. So what are gonna be the surviving cryptocurrencies? Our NFTs are gonna take over the cryptocurrencies as a, as a, as a payment method because of blockchain. 
Yes. Is it going to be something that is going to go into a different version where you're going to have a utility better in an NFT that you would be in a coin? So it really has to be That's adopted. True. You know, I think that a lot of the reasons why some of the countries have adopted the cryptocurrency is there's no way of taxation on it. And, you know, I think that it'll be a sad day if they figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot and of people. There goes that. There yeah, goes crypto. Yeah, yeah, there goes, for, at least for the short term. Yeah. It'll be offset by people stepping in, but also... Yeah. For sure. it'll, it'll be a balance. So, so it'll you be think, a balancing act, but there'll be a lot of unhappy people who buy, who'll be selling Millions. Ferraris really cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you think big business eventually, if not already, will we'll, we'll step in, adapt, uh, sort of try to figure out how they can use it to their benefit? We, I, I think so. I think that it has to really integrate first into the banking systems of countries, and the banking system is trying to figure that out, and the banking system has to work alongside with the government and taxation system, and I think that's one of the key things that has to be figured out. But in essence, you know, where you can now look the through blockchain and you can take a you know, almost a digital sequencing of who owns what, you know, I don't think yeah. it's that difficult once open architecture comes through and they do look to, because in validation of a currency, you have to open up the books. Yes. Yeah. Open up the books, you're gonna have to reveal all the ownership. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people did that back in the day and had, you know, shell corporations and all the islands and mm -hmm. tax havens, but eventually, you know, that was found out. And, yeah. you know, we've seen numerous times that people have been exposed for having corporations in Panama. There was a big, yeah. you know, government, you know, group of people that had all their money hidden around and, you know, a lot of foreign dignitaries and leaders, you know, had, you know, hid money all over the world. And wow. yeah. once it became public, you know, then it becomes an issue of corruption. It becomes an issue of, you know, how did that money get there? Yeah. And, and then, you know, the one thing about anything that's over the internet or anything that's over a digital transfer, there's always a record. Yes. And no matter what you do, you can transfer it into different names, but there's a record of where it ends up in. Yeah. yeah. Where so it came think, from and where yeah, it ended. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, for the same reason you want to have safety and, you know, you know, a protocol so people can't come in and hack you, it's also going to work the reverse because you have to have that safe box as well. Yeah. So you have to identify. So, you know, maybe at the end of the day, you know, throw it all up in the air and figure out how that's going to work out and how they can grant some immunity to the people that have, you know, exposure. So they actually do come clean. Cause right now I know there's huge amount of theft that's in the whole crypto area. Oh, for that's insane. And there should be a way that, you know, governments should collectively find out how they can stop any type of stealing. You know, I'm just mm -hmm. totally against the fact of ripping people yeah. off, yeah. whether it be a consumer or ripping an individual off. I just think it's just wrong. Yeah. For sure. Thou shalt not steal. <laughs> yes. 100%. Uh, a good Christian boy for, that I am. For all our entrepreneurs <laughs> out there, what would you say one of the keys to delegating is? Delegating to He's a team. He's asking for himself now, yep. eh? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> delegate. You know, I, I think the, the the best thing to tell you is lead by example. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think when you want to delegate, you got to be able to do the same work yourself. So, I always found that when I was doing that work and trying to be patient, just tell someone how to do the work, and then I would delegate to them to do the work. You had to make sure that they saw that you were just sitting there slacking off and say, "Oh, do yeah. this, do that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. That really demotivating. So I think you know, you know, when you do it show the business that you mean business okay. and lead by example and be respectful. And, you know, I always said to people, you know, people are always trying to save a penny and lose a dollar. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, right size your business and pay top dollar. And people say, ah, oh, he overpays for his people. But if someone thought they overpaid for people, wouldn't you guys want to look for a job there? True. Yeah. Right? 100%. Are you, getting, are you going to get the chance <laughs> to get the point. best person because you pay 10% more than the guy beside you? Yeah. And you can say, I got a guy for 10% cheaper. Well, God bless you on that <laughs> yeah. one because he's 20% worse. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, you can't, you know, you can't pay enough for good lawyers and good accountants. And you can't pay too little for lousy ones. And yeah. that's the problem. You don't want to make the same mistake over and over again. Pay for it once pay the price that you think you have to pay, don't overpay, but at the same time, attract the best talent you can because teams are only as strong as their teammates. And look at any sporting company, sporting business and sporting organization that have won pennants or Stanley Cups or Super Bowls. It's, you know, it's not necessarily the superstars that win. Yeah, it's true. What was the, what would you say is the biggest, the biggest issue or um, mistake that you've made along your business career? I'm sure there's a lot, plenty I'll tell you, of them. There's a lot of them, but I'll tell you, you know what? 
when you're young, you think you're invincible. True. And I think that's your biggest mistake. You know, you're invincible, number one. You make mistakes, but you can bounce back. True. But as you get older, you have a hard time bouncing back like you did before. Mm. You're not as hireable. You're not as energetic. You're set in your ways. So I think that most people... I got lots of time to make my money. Plan early how you're going to set your life. Set the same goals as you would for your business, for your life in your 20s. So when you're going to be 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, have a set goal that you want to be so you can maintain that business philosophy and not feel stress. I think that my biggest challenge has been stress and always feeling that stress, getting into a new business, trying to take on something else where it's been very exciting to pivot from the stock market to a fund business, to the Elma Combo, to a real estate business in Florida, to a real estate business in Waterloo. Uh, I can tell you 10 things that I did that were totally unsuccessful. The movie industry, this industry, that industry, you know, restaurants, terrible. You know, (laughs) they're hard, man. We know, they're hard. We know. It's a tough business, you know. You know, you can be very successful, like my friend Jim Chilivering at Boston Pizza. It started with one pizza place and became the first franchisee. And I think they have 900 locations, and now they're opening in Europe. Very successful wow. story. But with every one great pizza story, there's thousands and thousands of ones that could have, would have, should have. Yeah. You yeah. know, how do you personally bounce back? You know, it's been faith for me. You know, I've kind of went back to becoming more faithful. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's a very famous Italian priest, Padre Pio. Padre Pio. Padre Pio. And he goes, you know, when when asked that same question, he goes, well, first thing you do is pray. You know, because usually when you're losing, you say, God help me. Yeah. Right? We all look up up and say, what else can go wrong? I need some help, God. Right? Yeah. And the second thing he said was hope. Mm. And you hope for the best, you know, you can't, you know, you can't do much about it, but you just want to hope that things are going to change tomorrow. And the last thing he said is don't worry, mm. because when you have stress, you're not good to yourself or anyone else. So pray, hope, and don't worry. Take the stress off you, because it's going to be, it is what it is. It's going to change or not change. Yeah. But when you get under, you know, attack, try to figure out what takes you back to ground zero. Go back to your roots of just being... You know, hey, man, I've been here before. I'm going to be here again. Mm-hmm. Try to temper myself when I'm on top of the world and not get too down on myself when I'm on the bottom of the world because it's going to happen. As given as you're going to wake up every day, you're going to have great days and bad days, which is why you have to balance. Balance is important. Uh, health is important. Most importantly is probably health. Yeah. They say health, happiness, and wealth in that order. But I think that, you know, you have to balance. And once you can balance yourself, and it's very difficult. To this day, I still don't find myself balancing <laughs> overly well, but I'm getting better as I get older. And, like and if you, you want to save yourself from stress, don't invest in the stock market. Well, that's no, not no, to say. No, no, just invest, invest at your risk tolerance, I, yes, you know, yes, because yes. sometimes, again, you set your goals too high for your expectations. True. And your disappointment now meant that you overspent what you should have put in the first place. If you take what you lost in the stock market in the last year, let's say, oh. and you put in 25% of the capital, would you be worried? Would that affect your life? Uh, no, not You'd at be all. pissed off, yeah. but it wouldn't really change it, you know? Yeah. And it's quantum. You know, if you put in $1 or $100,000, it's a difference of, you know, buying a house or a car or whatever to, you know, but if you, if you risk something that is more reasonable yeah. and you build on it, that's why it's called investing, not speculating <laughs> you know, gambling. and investing yeah. and gambling yeah. right so most people gamble in the stock market and i don't think there's many people that win on the gambling circuit other than the casinos fair, and fair, fair. and so you know there's on the flip side the brokers do well with people gamble yeah so so with that being said the opposite side of stress usually is happiness with that being said what what would you say is your best investment you've ever made I think the best investment I made was in myself when I started my business, and that was GMP when I left First Marathon and started that. I think that was the best investment. It was tough. It wasn't without stress, but it was probably the best investment. I don't think there's, you know, success and happiness don't go hand in hand. There's a lot of very rich people that are very unhappy, and I think that that's where balance comes in. And, you know, what I think that was said to me and really resonates with me that a rich person is someone who's content with what they have, you know, with whether you want $100 billion or you want $1 million, whatever that point is going to be where you find your inflection point and say, you know, 
this is where I, this is, this makes me happy. If I have too much money, I got every relative coming down and coming <laughs> down my throat. And yeah, I just yeah. don't have the hassle. I don't have the time and the energy to actually go there and take those phone calls, you know, and yeah. see every new business that every person that I used to go to grade school with want to show me. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find that moment where you're like, yo, this is enough? It's different for everybody, yeah, you true. know, and I think that you have to really look deep and you have to say, you know, what's important to you? You know, is family important? Is a house important? Some people like to travel, you know, they like to be nomads, man. They say, I don't want a house. I don't want, you know, I'm just going to travel the world. That mm-hmm. makes me happy. You yeah. know, I'm going to be this way. I want to live here for five years. I want to live there. For, I want to learn languages. I want to learn culture. Everyone has a different rule and different kind of act that they want to portray. Not everybody is, is kind of, you know, nine to five and, you know, you know, buy a bigger house every two years and yeah, yeah. or drive around in Ferraris, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've had most cars you can imagine. And right now I think I enjoy driving a pickup truck more than anything else. <laughs> so, got high up. Exactly. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, this is a little more personal to me. I know, I know you're pretty tatted. You're a tatted guy. Yeah. I fuck with that. Uh, <laughs> as am I, um, in business, this was for me, like personally, I was always kind of scared to walk into like big meetings with clients or whatever. I, I don't have them on my hands too, which is, I love it, but it could be a curse sometimes. Um, how did you handle that? I know people probably looked at you and were like, oh, it's going to be serious. Well, you know, it, it, you know I, I think that, you know, it was early on. So it was probably, I, I probably hit it more often early on than I did later on. It became very mainstream later on. So it was kind of more renegade and cool to have it. Yeah. But there is still time where, you know, again, where, you know, I won't in my sleeve or put a tie on yeah. so you don't see it as much. But, you know, I don't think it matters as much now. I, I think it's an expression uh, element now and that you see a lot more people of various ages and various genres that will express themselves with a tattoo. Mm-hmm. It's become a very mainstream visual art canvas to the body now. And I think that's great. You know, I think it's great for people to express themselves Man, I think I've seen, I saw one person recently that when I was traveling, I don't think there was one part of their body. I don't know all of it because <laughs> yeah. I didn't see all of it. But, you know, one part, they were just, you know, had a bathing suit, but not a single spot outside that bathing suit yeah, had, a, had, had a clear bit of skin. Yeah. I go, oh, that is dedication. Yeah. <laughs> like face, neck, like I'm talking everywhere. Yeah, I go, yeah, wow. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, oh, I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but. <laughs> It was aggressive. But yours have meaning as well, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I've never done, you know, a whole sleeve at a time. I, yeah. I just took pieces at a time and they all had different points in time in my life. So it's kind of a but did, long did, story. But did, did, did it ever affect you? Like, did you ever lose a, a deal or something kind um, of? I think that, you know, when I, when, I, when, I, when I kind of, you know, every time you go through life and you have a kind of a, a dark area of your life where you kind of feel like you're kind of, you know, upset about something and and it, it's generally accentuated by your tattoo so if you're mm. getting drunk and doing this you're, you're viewed as a ruffian and a you know yeah. a, a, a caseload you know yeah. and i think that that same person is could have the same you know you know it could be just as drunk but is sitting there and you know in a proper attire yeah. this, uh, you know yeah. and, and and not get the same treatment that you would if yeah. you're if you're kind of you know, in a yeah. <laughs> riot yeah. t-shirt and yeah, looking yeah. out. And, Big shirt, open yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah, Speaking of hey. attire, where did you? Where does the the fashion come from? The fashion inspo. I see you yeah. always swagged out. Yeah, you know what? My girl has a beautiful store called uh, Five Hazelton. So nice, sweet. A lot of it comes from her and her other sister store is Eighty Three Bloor. So it tends to have a lot of fashion that comes in. I'm a big fashion of the Italian brands. I yes. think that, you know, if you ever look at all the Milano stuff, man, oh, it's man. really just, they just get it, you know, yeah, they just yeah, get true. it. You know, I, just the way they wear a sweater or the, yeah. the way they can put clothes or the quality of clothes, it just, they just get it, you know. You're always so, into fashion? Uh, yeah, I, you know, growing up in Toronto on Young Street, you know, you always were Trans- admiring people and college had a lot of great clothing stores and I just found that, you know, when I was working downtown, you know, dress for success was one of the statements people told me. Mm-hmm. So I always tried to make sure that, as my mom said, you know, make sure your heels are polished and, yeah. you know, uh, your shoes yeah, yeah. are polished and your heels are well done. And nice. I think that was the key, you know. Yeah, Personal yeah. attire is very key. You can take care of your nails and your hair and all that. You know, you don't need to, you know, look like you just woke up out of bed. And yet, mind you, some people have been very successful with that look. 100%. That's been <laughs> you know? recently. But, <laughs> but uh, I want to I talk a little bit about Dragon's Den. Sure. Not, uh, you know, what was that experience like? How'd you end up on the show? 
Um, talk to us about that. How sure. that. Also, how has that helped you kind of go further in your career? Uh, I don't know about my career because I was really okay. established at that time. So okay. I think I came on after Kevin O'Leary decided to go to Shark Tank and yeah. that we were looking for somebody that had a Bay Street experience that had some edge to their lifestyle and they picked me. Did you get a call? What was it? Hey, we want yeah. you on the fucking <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, I gave me a call and, try, and it was a tryout with a group of other people and they selected me and uh, a great group of people at CBC. I did it for four years. I, ha- I left primarily because of my mom got ill and uh, passed away uh, a year and a half later. So I'm glad I spent the last year, you know, very close with her. And that was key. Uh, she passed just before the pandemic started, actually. And Condolences. Yeah, so, yeah. So it was it was kind of a, a tough period in my life. And I said, you know, it's a very challenging time. You're at those days. I don't know if it's any shorter now, but it was three months of the year that you're pretty well on lockdown. It's not every day, but you're 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 always on. Yeah. And then even when it's off and after, you're promoting, and yeah. you know there's a certain amount of effort that you have to put behind it to keep that promotion up. It's it's almost for some of them a full time job. Yeah. Their, their other jobs are not as much as they do there. Yeah. Uh, they tend to get most of their marketing and advertising from the show, and it's a great show. You know, I think it's been one of the longest running shows in Canadian history. Very true. So yeah. it still carries a, a big weight out there. And January yeah. the 4th of 22, there'll be a Family Feud Canada show. It's a little bit of a sneak preview here. Okay. Which I'm on with Jim Treliving. Oh, um, come on. Wes Hall, Vincent Guzzo, and Manjeet Minhas representing the Dragon's Den against the Tall Boys, which are very funny. So I will not say too much about the show nice. other than... It's very <laughs> effing funny. <laughs> We're going to tune in. That's for sure. 6.30 on, I think, a, the 4th of January. Beauty. So, so speaking of the Dragons, then the Dragons, um, everybody involved, who is your favorite? Uh, Jim Treliving, by yeah. far, without hesitation. Jim yeah. is by far a prince of a man. He is uh, a citizen of citizens. Amazing. Uh, a true entrepreneur that came from meager beginnings. Uh, growing up outside of Winnipeg, spending most of the time as an RCMP officer in BC. His first restaurant was in Penticton, a little restaurant with his partner, George, great gentleman as well. And him and his beautiful wife, Sandy, are great philanthropists, take a lot of effort in CAMH, one of my favorite charities because, you know, it really starts with mental health for a lot of people. And again, everybody in every family has someone that's touched by that you know yep, could be a cousin a brother an in-law doesn't you know it's or a friend you yep. know and it's uh it's something that you have to kind of shun the stigma so people will be open and talk about it so you know i've been very clear about my life challenges and my life course and i believe that's important for people to be open about it because you know it takes a lot we tend to become very self-centered at least uh, it's tough and you're always toughest on the people you love the most yeah yeah that's, that's very true. true that's very true okay and and in terms of any investments you may actually i'm curious just because I, I fucking love the show do all these deals actually close <laughs> no i think that okay. a lot of them go through due diligence there's a lot of reasons sometimes the purchase who's pitching doesn't want to close on a deal oftentimes mm. the the reality of what the business looks like is not what was presented. Fair. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, on both sides, it tends to walk. But I would say, you know, you know, maybe, you know, 10 to 15% have a good likelihood to, to close. I had one that I'm still involved with called CYA Live, which is an interactive uh, digital streaming company that was provided, uh, you know, at the beginning. And they have really did well on their plan. They're, uh, they start off with Paramount and and airing movies on a, on a on a selected group of movies that you could watch with your friends around the world cool and so that now turned into more of a true streaming platform that it would be kind of i call it zoom on interactive steroids where you can have <laughs> you know numerous people numerous events going on at the same time cool. and a really smart guy sammy Siddiqui, he's running it I know he's done some great fundraising, and uh, I think he's going to do really well. So I, that was my first year I invested in that company. It's called See Alive, C-Y-A Live. Yeah. See Alive. Like Amazing. That. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I always wonder because I'm like, there's no fucking way these guys just shake hands <laughs> and the deal's done. There, you know, there's way that's more to the show. Come on. No, I get it. I get it. But, but I, have uh, to I have to say, though, you know, for, for anyone that goes on the show, and I ran into someone just recently at the airport that said they were on the show and they had a deal done. I said, congratulations. But what they did see is an immediate 
surge in their product sales for sure so the advertising sure. alone yeah, yeah. You know, regardless if it closes or not yeah i think that it's a win-win for course, everybody and you know assuming that you have a decent business that and you, <laughs> yeah, and, you, you and you present it well then you're going to have a great return yeah. on that advertising because it's watched and it's free advertising and, and it, so in terms of investments i want to talk about one investment you've made into hootsuite yes uh massive it we're you know we're a marketing agency here we manage you know, over 30 social media accounts at the moment. So we're using a, a similar platform, but you know, we know a lot about the platform. We know how it works, what it is, what it does. Um, how'd you, how'd you get involved in that? Well, we were in there early um, and great, you know, Ryan, uh, who was running the company and a uh, great guy. Uh, I got a chance to meet him in Vancouver early on in my career. And I just thought, you know, one thing that I found that when investing, it's the jockey that you really have to focus on. And if you have a great young on, entrepreneur, and I stress both words, young and great, yeah. <laughs> uh, because they go synonymous, because, you know, you want to invest in someone that's your age, not my age, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, where we, you, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Uh, but, you know, it's true. You want to have someone that is, you know, full of all the excitement and all the, 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 ability to take that risk whereas other people it's like you know when you started learning a sport let's call skiing and you're going down the hill and you're 10 years old or whatever it may be or tobogganing yeah you don't care you're going down that hill regardless you know as the older you get you go whoa i'm not gonna yeah. take this hill let's just take the nice easy slopey one yep. here yeah. right so your 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 risk adverse kind of nature kind of goes on as you get older which is why you want to have that ability to be more aggressive when you're younger because you don't you, when you're starting out in business there's gonna be so much competition you have to make sure that you're front and center as you know in yeah. advertising yeah yeah there's a lot of competition there tons of it no yeah i mean fuck great investment clearly Huge, yeah. clearly yeah. Went well for you they're, yeah they're, I, I, I hear they're going public so i think it's still going to do well but it's going to do well for the industry but the industry has a lot of competition the yeah, industry has a lot more younger competition coming in and you know whereas i do think that you know you have these large corporations and you know the big european companies that you know kind of blanket this you know yeah. once you start to see the evolution of tiktok it changes the dynamic <laughs> yes. again you know so it's true if you can kind of foresee or be early on a trend you know that might be the part of the whole uh, ability to, to navigate and pivot between businesses. I think that there's a business to be done to pivot between businesses, which, even though I said not to do that. <laughs> but I think there's a business because this whole business of, of where we're going in digital marketing, it just seems to change so quickly. Yeah. It's every day. And, yeah, it's every, every day. day. And yeah. if, you, if you could figure out those trends and be able to adapt to those trends and change your, your, your views and the way you, you know, your algorithms, how to get involved quicker, man. Yeah, that's the magic algorithm. sauce. That's crazy. It's fucking true, yeah, though, it's man. True. It's so true, and and obviously, it's definitely different from when you were first starting out in, in investments till today. Like you said, like change happens. You know, you could have three massive changes in a company in one day. It, true. And now, the interesting thing now is that you don't even delegate that change. It's done artificial intelligence. Yes, so now true. it's done because people have programmed your behavioral yes. position. Mm -hmm. So it changes the program based upon what was set before. So you don't even, you're not even there at, a, at to, oh, let's do this, let's Type do that. It, yeah. It's happening organically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you have to really understand now is that there is an environment now where it automatically has an element of change into the behavioral science of business. How do you take that to capitalize on it? If I knew that, I wouldn't be sitting here talking just, to you guys. I was, just about, I was just about to say, but do, do you, obviously, I'd be sitting there in Switzerland. I'd be trying to find you. Yeah. I'd be sitting in Switzerland. I'd be doing this by some satellite on Elon Musk jet yeah, or something go. like that. One of those SpaceX there things, you, you know? Exactly. Well, you answered my question. Live I was going to say, Weck in space. No, I, I mean, I was, my next question was going to be, do you think that's, that's, a, that's a pro or a con in terms of investing, the fact that things can change so quickly? Um, or, or, do you, may, or I maybe I don't think it's either one or the other. It depends the invest, the investment you're making, the business yeah. you're making, and as long as you understand that is going to be a disruptor or a benefit to disrupt. Yes, you just got to figure out which side of the game you're on. True, fuck, yeah. it's a good point. Holy shit! Hit okay, him with the question. Listen, I, no, no, I have one more question oh, before we get to more? the main question. You mentioned obviously you're in real estate a little bit. I think you said Florida. Um, yeah, I've sold out of Florida. Uh, oh. The U.S. dollar has done me very well, and I think the Canadian dollar is probably bound to do stronger things over the 
you know, over the longer term and the short term, you know, you can't really make a bet on it. But I think we're going into an environment where we're seeing commodity prices rising, energy prices where we're having cutbacks in production because we're not reinvesting in energy. You're seeing that with a lot of what I would say very good long-term thinking in trying to make sure we protect the planet. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to dedicate a lot more capital into green energy, which is why I'm very focused on that because, you know, you have to, energy is going to be a premium value. I was told that if you look at electricity prices in certain parts of the world, it's astronomical, yeah. you know, astronomical, yeah. especially in Europe. So you might want to check out some of those prices and what people are paying for, you know, gasoline and electricity. Then you'll start to see, wow, there has to be a change. And, yeah. you know, whether it be battery technology, whether it be, uh, like I said, the big thing would be waste disposal and how you can turn waste disposal into energy, which is my big focus right now with Evergreen. And I think Energy is a big public company out there that trades out in the marketplace, about a billion dollar market cap. And Evergen's another one that's a small market cap, having some difficulty right now, but we'll come through this in the right space with the right people. But, you know, it's a challenging space. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's new to the industry. There's going to be big winners and some losers, but I think, you know, this is an area where we're going to see to be very relevant is going to be energy over the next 10 years or so. And so it's not going to come from fossil fuels and it's not going to come from coal. Do, do, well. you, think, do you think that market will... Um, sort like sort of overpass the real estate market oh yeah 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 I'm, I'm not positive on real estate at all i think that you know real estate's been a function of interest rates being low we're at 100 year old 100 year interest Lows, rates you yeah. know we're at zero interest rates if you look at it yeah on a historical sense so you know am i gonna say that rates are going up to where they were historically probably not mm -hmm. but when they do you know people always forget that the market looks out years out Yes. And, you know, there's more optimism than pessimism in any kind of project. So, you know, look at the amount of cranes are sitting in downtown yeah. Toronto. But yeah. anyone who's younger tells me, you know, the best investment is real estate. I said, well, <laughs> I've been there. I've seen a few downturns in real estate in my yeah. life. I remember the 90s in real estate. And, you know, these things came crashing down. It cost the uh, wealth of a lot of people like the Reichmans, Campo Corp, which is a major player at those days. Uh, and some like Campo aren't around anymore. So yeah. now I'm not going to say that there's not an opportunity that you can do well but i'd be very cautious these days when you look at per square foot what you're paying yes. per square foot whether it's a house or a condo then you look at your maintenance fees and you look at your taxation you look at your increased taxes that come in for luxury tax that'll be there for you know garbage pickup and it's going to get more expensive everything that service that you're going to do is going to be passed on. Yeah. Governments are not as strong as they used to be going through two years of this pandemic where True. a lot of handouts have been coming through. And you talk trillions of dollars of new investment coming in because of, you know, services that need to go forward. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think Canada has the largest, def the largest, you know, budget. Our deficit, deficit is we, insane. We, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think that's going to be, you know, it's debt, you know, like yeah. anything, debt is debt. Yeah, can't run and from there. You got to pay it back. Yeah. You know? can't, can't run. run. It's true. You can't run. And Canada doesn't look like they're running. We're, we look like we're adding a little more every day. Just walking or a yeah. lot more. <laughs> yeah, but I think that you know, right, right now, like I said, the one wealth uh, prospect in Canada is the actual resource that's underground. So we do yeah. have a lot of resources. How it comes out, I don't know. Fair. What is the environmental effect? I don't know. Yeah. But I do think that there's changes on the horizon, which I think are very positive. I think. You know, a green footprint is good for every generation to look at because, yeah. you know, but it's going to take everybody to do it, you know, yes. separating their true. garbage and, you know, not doing things that are going to be, you know, historically, you know, I don't drive as much, you know, yeah. I used to drive all the time, you know, and a lot of things I would have done historically, I don't do as much partially because, you know, it's more of a hassle and partially because I find that it's just kind of a better way to live. Yeah. I agree. Nice. I fucking hate driving. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, with that being said. We are the MBH podcast. Money buys happiness. Money buys happiness. <laughs> what do you think of the term? What are your thoughts oh, on the term? I love it. I love it. Very catchy. <laughs> what are your, but I don't think it's true, though. Okay. okay. That's, that's, that's what we, we want to know. Need, yeah. That's what we want to know. Yeah. No, what, do you, I, what are your I, thoughts? I think, you, think you know, happiness is really, you know, for me, happiness is, is my children. Happiness is the success of my children. For my mother, she would have said the same thing about me. She was most happy, not but when she made money or had more money. It was when her children were doing well. You know, yeah. there was health in the family. And I think that, 
you know, health buys happiness, I think, is not necessarily wealth buys happiness. Mm. Wealth does give you a good path to yeah. getting happy. It's having to control that because there's always two things I say that become the hardest things to deal with, and it's the curse of investing, <laughs> greed and fear. Nice. And I always tell people, when, you want to, when people are fearful, get greedy. And people yes. are greedy, get fearful. Yeah. So start to buy when people are exiting and they're panicking. Yeah. But when people are now making money and the whole thing has gone here, and you don't want to miss that train, as they're saying right now about the real estate market, I might be a bit more cautious. Mm -hmm. And then when it crashes, we'll buy everything. <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, you've got to be prepared for when it yeah. crashes. So if yeah. you want to prepare, start saving now. Start investing to make sure that you say, well, I need to have X amount of dollars because the house I want to buy, the down payment is 250000 Yeah. But I'm going to wait till it goes to where my down payment for that same house is one hundred and twenty-five. When it goes to one I'm stepping in. Yeah. So set your goal before it gets there. Yeah, true. So if and when it gets there, you're there. Yep. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with saving $125,000 <laughs> over a group period of time. True. Very true. Right? So look at the win-win side of it. Yeah. Rather than saying, okay, I'm going to load up a bunch of debt. I'm going to put everything in. I'm going to work three jobs. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a complete a-hole to all my friends and not pay for anything. <laughs> yeah. Leave yeah. before the bill comes. You know, we know I'm in the washroom. We know those type of guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, oh, God. You know, always going out. <laughs> Can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? Yeah. 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 Never comes back. Never. They have more my lighters you can imagine <laughs> fuck that was me i think they're time. selling them <laughs> okay That's listen amazing. i'm a little greedy usually we end it there but i have one more question um on the market as a whole obviously it's just been fucking vert you know yeah. vertical do you think we're gonna see some sort of maybe crash maybe correction man we just had a one month correction robin hood was a 75 dollars stock not too long ago it's now 17 dollars canopy was a 75 dollars stock it's now 12 dollars yeah you know, so i do believe in the cannabis sector because i do think the u.s will eventually federally approve it so yeah. i think that there will be an opportunity both from a medical and a recreational point of view to do well there I do think that there's going to be opportunity in technology. You got to be very careful. I think the best sector to look at now is small cap, albeit that it's on a very key critical technical level. But I do think small cap markets being under a $500 million market cap is probably the most attractive right now. The mega stocks that have been up there because institution tends to buy the winners and they all kind of crowd into the trade. Mm -hmm. There was a time where Northern Telecom was the biggest company in Canada. Doesn't exist wow. anymore. Wow. So, uh, okay, now, now, now I'm really just being greedy. What do you think of the pharma pharmaceuticals, biotech, that... Uh, uh, it depends on what you're talking. If you're talking about, you know, the new pharmaceutical era of, you know, um, things that are going to be, you know, derivatives of mushrooms and all that, I'm not overly optimistic on it. I think okay. that, you know, it's kind of, you know, unregulated, unwatched. Whereas I do think that there's an issue right now with you know, a big push back against some of the pain medication. Uh, you know, you look at fentanyl as the largest, it's bigger than any pandemic we've ever seen. True. The fentanyl true. deaths that are happening in North America right now. Yeah. And the amount of fake fentanyl that's got, I think I heard yesterday that something like 28,000 pounds of powdered fentanyl was seized at the border in Mexico. Holy so fuck. So if you think of that, that's what was seized. Yeah. And let's assume that's only 10%, so yeah. times that by 10. Yeah. That's 280,000 pounds on a daily basis trying to get through. Oh my God. How many, that's a shitload yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that just kills so many people. Yeah. And when you look at that and Oxycontin and what's going through the lawsuits, I think there's gonna be a change, which is why I think that some of the cannabinoid stocks will do very well especially if they have the derivative for medication and there's a little company that i like out there new gen medical devices because they have a device that is a needless injection system used right now for diabetics it's it's uh, a federally approved uh federally canada approved and it has a uh, vaccination portion to it for farm animals but if you can vaccinate a pharma animal, you can vaccinate a human being <laughs> yeah, with a booster. Sure. So I look for these guys to be in the vaccination business. Yeah. It's a yeah. 30 cent stock. So yeah. you guys should take a look nice. at this. It's not a bad right now, boy, down. NGMD, Norman George Michael David is the symbol of wow. new medical devices. I'm on the board, so I, I'm talking as a biased investor. And, <laughs> but if you look at the last insider trading, trading reports, you'll see how much I bought. So yeah. always make sure. 
Always buy what insiders buy and sell yeah. what insiders sell. Very when true. you saw Elon Musk taking a poll whether he should sell, oh, he made his mind up well before that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I knew the poll. I, if I could have bet that in Vegas, I'm all in. Yeah. He's yeah. going to say, oh, I was voted to sell. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's true. And he came across to make people feel better that he's paying $11 billion dollars yes. in taxes. Yes. Now, is that guilty or what? Like, are you guilty? <laughs> You're just saying, I'm giving back, guys. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. I ripped everyone off here. Yeah. And I know the stock will never see that price I sold it at. Yeah. But when you see an insider sell a significant portion of their holdings, get out. So, Don't yeah. care what they say or what their reason is. Mm-hmm. When you see an insider buy a significant portion, buy. Because yeah. you would think they know more than the average bear going in and going out. So, like I said, these guys, I think, are on the cusp of technology. I like a lot of the uh, bioscience companies that are looking to do um, enhancement of immunity systems. So look for naturopath drugs that are going to be real ones. And ones mm-hmm. that, you know, have some benefit to it. Look for the industry that, you know, I think that it's hard to say with some of the pandemic industries right now have been very well and very well served. But, you know, I, I can't really, you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be something that's going to be an ongoing thing. I think it's going to be something that's going to be like any series of events we've had over the history of man it's going to be out there and then we're going to learn to live with it like we did with the flu yeah like we did with measles and yeah. those at one day at one point in time in life killed everyone so yeah they had the same effect at one point so i think that you have to be kind of longer term view as i said you know take a longer term horizon when you're investing invest for the long term keep your winners sell your losers and try to find sectors that you think are going to be relevant and you know sometimes uh you know I've always tried to find a cancer drug that is going to be something that's going to work. Yeah. Yet I can't believe with all the money and all the technology and all the stuff that we've found yeah. that has not been done we've yet. And everything except that. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. you know, we can put someone on the moon in a space capsule. <laughs> yeah. can't cure cancer, which is to me amazing yeah. considering the amount of money that's gone into research. So, you know, maybe that's the next uh, solving problem because that's Absolutely. another big killer amongst life. Damn. Damn. Yeah, that was, that was great, man. I had a blast just listening to everything <laughs> you said straight up. Uh, I'm going straight to my portfolio. <laughs> fucking, and then realign it. Realign it. Let's Sell go. your losers and keep your winners. And, and always buy a portion. Buy half as much. If you want to buy X, divide it by two and start with that. Yeah. If it goes like up, that. pay more for it as you get confirmation of why you bought it. True. But have your thesis built out. Do your homework. Have a game plan. Make yeah. money. That's it. I love it. Money buys happiness. Maybe. Money buys happiness. <laughs> Depends. If you do it right. Yeah. There you go. No, 100%. It, it is a great statement, and it does buy happiness if you do it right, and you can control your ego. Love that. That's a, that's a fucking huge one. Hey. Take shrooms if you need to kill your ego, though. <laughs> on, that, on that note. Yeah. Mike, on that note. <laughs> Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure, yeah, man. Thank you for coming much. out. And uh, hope to have you back. Hope yeah. to have you back, man. Definitely, yeah. Man. Well, we'll see how the stocks I recommend do. <laughs> yeah. Keep rocking and rolling, <laughs> man. For that, Dean. Uh, normally this is where I clap and just end the show, but I have a selfish question I want to ask. <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, I love this. Get in there. Uh, I saw. You, I know you're a big Stones fan, as am I. Oh yeah. yeah. I saw you went to Texas and saw them at their last show in Austin. Did I did? You think there's any convincing to get them back to the Elmo soon? Real difficult, real difficult. <laughs> yeah. But I did have the chance to spend about a half an hour with Ronnie Wood, who's an artist extraordinaire, and his wife is incredible. Sally, the two beautiful young children were with him at the time. Um. We discussed it, but, you know, they know it very well. They know the Elma Combo. They scouted out the Elma Combo back in 1977 and recorded Love You Live. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, one of the trivia that Ronnie told me was that uh, it was the first time they ever played Miss You prior to releasing it on an album was wow. at the Elma Combo. Yeah, huge, huge tune for them for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Well, Hopefully we can Hopefully. get him back. Yeah. Hope Dean, start the fucking Dean, petition. Slide in the I'll, DMs. I'll start it tonight. Well, thanks. That probably will help me. Put it out there. Hashtag. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> Come on back, Stones. Elmo's waiting. I'm down. And now we're out.